Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Here's a 1-0. And on the ground, Swanson, he's got it to his feet, throw the first. There it is! The Atlanta Braves are going to the World Series! Atlanta, their 10th trip to the World Series in franchise history was not an easy play. Dansby Swanson spins and fires. And that airtight Atlanta defense... Right down to the last out is Will Smith sends the Braves to the World Series. It's the sixth time in Atlanta they'll go to the World Series and the first time since 1999. What a finish. Well, what a finish indeed. The Atlanta Braves advanced to the World Series with a 4-2 win over the L.A. Dodgers. It is set. More night in Houston. The Atlanta Braves and the Houston Astros and Kevin Barker. I don't think we're all that surprised that it's the Astros. I think we might be a little surprised that it's the Dodgers, given, well, frankly, the fact that they won 106 games, given who they beat to get to this series, given the fact that we looked at the Dodgers, even without Trevor Bauer and Dustin May and, and other guys who were hurt, Still a, a pretty deep, pretty deep lineup. Are you are you surprised that we're seeing the Braves in the World Series? Yeah, not really. I I, I think w- with what the Dodgers had to do, go through the wild card game, play the five game series against the Giants, who's you know that that's their rival is you know the the, the hard fought five games that they had to go through. Max Scherzer having the the dead arm issues that he's had, the the, the hitter that they had out the Dodgers, like like it was. It just seems like, for whatever reason, Dave Roberts didn't have the best of series for me. Look, he was – we don't know what goes on behind closed doors, but, you know, I'm assuming that he didn't have anything to do with the openers. But once the game starts, the only person that you can blame is the guy you're seeing. And for me, Dave Roberts, the, some of the moves that he didn't make soon enough, we talk about that all the time. Mm-hmm. The, the manager's job for me, at least this time of the year, is to make the move before you actually have to make the move. Before it's too late. That that's the that's the one thing. If you're managing, if you're if you're either one of the managers going into this World Series, I would think that you would have to make the move before it backfires on you. Before it's too late. That that's I'd rather I'd rather go to a guy in the bullpen who throws a bazillion miles an hour than leave my starter in there for for a batter too long. I, I would think that's what at least their goal is going into this World Series. But Dave Roberts just didn't have the best of best best of series and. When your manager's not making the right moves, you have some key guys out in your in your lineup. Uh, you have a a guy in Max Scherzer who is a first ballot Hall of Famer who can't make a start. Who you may have used in situations you probably shouldn't have been using him in. He's a he's an every five day guy. He's not a a closer guy. He's not a, a guy for me anyway. This this point in his career at 37 years old that you should be messing around with. Give the ball to him every five days, and that seemed to backfire and. Sometimes you get what you 
sort of what you asked for, and that's I think that's what happened to the Dodgers. Yeah, see, this is what I don't get about both the Dodgers and the Red Sox, less so with the Red Sox. But the Dodgers have a huge payroll. And, yes, we know Trevor Bauer was in there and Dustin May was in there and Tony Gonsolin was in there and Clayton Kershaw was in there. So their pitching wasn't as deep as certainly they thought it would be at the, at the start of the season. But, Kevin, they played games in the NLCS with guys out of position. I, I don't know if Gavin Lux's mistake necessarily cost them ended up you know, being one of the turning points of the series, but it, it kind of felt like it. It certainly was in terms of strategy for Dave Roberts because that was kind of the end of the Gavin Lux, uh, relying relying on Gavin Lux. And, Kevin, I looked at this team. They had, so, they had players out of position. They had starters closing, starters relieving, and... High leverage guy starting. It was. It just seems odd that a team that has so many resources decided to. It's almost like they decided to get too cute, and and I'm going to include Boston in that in a way, just in a way, because having Kyle Schwarber start, having him play first base, had an effect in their defense. And it, it did it did cost them in that in that in that game. It cost them in that one inning at at a crucial time. I don't know how you feel about it. That that's I look at these two teams, and and I'll say I think the Dodgers are you know, the fact that they're not in is a much bigger disappointment than Boston. But I would really like to know what the front offices of those two teams, especially the Dodgers, less so the the Red Sox. I'd like to know what their front offices think today about how that series transpired because they had a role in it and you're right those are all collaborative efforts mm-hmm. and Dave Roberts didn't make those decisions on himself uh, by himself not having Max Muncy was was a huge deal not playing first base you talk about the defensive things you, you put Gavin Lux in center field you wouldn't have had to do that if mm-hmm. if Max Muncy was there he'd be playing first Cody Bellinger would be playing center and Justin yeah. Turner got injured we Justin have to Turner, say that th- there was a lot of things that went wrong but, you know, a lot of fans that aren't fans of the Dodgers that are just watching these games are going, woe is me. You, you still have the depth. That's all you yell and scream about was how good the depth was for the Dodgers, how good their front office had done to put them in situations that if certain guys went down, they, they had enough talent and, 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 and enough guys that could fill in and, and, you know, ultimately get them where they wanted to go. I, I just think you have to tip your hats to the Braves. Some, sometimes – it's just that team's year, and it just looked to me for whatever reason that the Dodgers, you know, front office couldn't get out of their own way. We we talk about how good they are, how good they've been, but certain times it just seems like why why would you do that? It, do you have more talent in the other team? Put that guy in that spot that he's used to being in. Run him out there. If you get beat that way, at least Dave Roberts come in front of the camera and go, you know what? I had my best guy in the best spot. That's who we wanted out there at that time. He just didn't get it done. The, that other team showed up, did a better job than we did. They beat us. Now we're moving on, and we got to we got to figure out what we need to do better to get back where we ultimately want to go. They didn't do that. Like mm-hmm. they can't walk away saying that. And I, you know, a lot of baseball people would say, "Why? Why? Why are you doing that?" Now, obviously, the obvious injuries, the Max Muncy thing, being left-handed, hitting all the home runs. It just he just 
took pressure off of everybody else, put so much pressure on, say, a Brian Snicker to figure out when he was going to use the big three lefties because of Max Muncy. And now that that just that bat being out made it a little easier for the manager, made it just easier for them to match up against that that team, put a lot of pressure on other guys in that lineup for the Dodgers to, to step up and, and pick up the slack. And, you know, quite frankly – most of those guys can't do that. There's a reason why Max Muncy had almost, what, 40 homers and, and drove in almost 100 runs because he's really good at it. He's really good at hitting the baseball, staying in the big part of the field. You know, he's an aircraft carrier. Mm-hmm. That, that's the one thing that you can say when your aircraft carrier is not in the game, and it puts pressure on all, all, all the other parts of your team to, to be that much better. You see, you see what happens. It gets everybody thinking way too much. Even the Dodgers, who can spend more money than anybody on planet Earth, has to overthink things. And when you overthink things, what's the saying? Think long, think wrong. <laughs> that, for me, is what happened to the Dodgers. Well, one thing we know about the World Series, it, it, it is, it's going to feature two of, Kevin, two of the hottest hitters I've seen coming out of a postseason, the two league championship series MVPs, Jordan Alvarez of the Astros, 11 career extra base hits. Uh won the MVP award. He slashed 522, 538, 870, 20 total bases in a six-game hitting streak. And Eddie Rosario, I have 14 for 25, five extra base hits, nine ribbies, a 1.647 OPS. Nobody's had that many hits in a no. series of six games or less. Will Clark had 13 in a five-game series win. Nobody has had that in a series of six games or less. Kevin, this guy reached base 16 of his last 24 plate appearances. And Dave Roberts, the manager of the Dodgers, was asked after the game about Eddie Rosario. I don't know how much you've seen Rosario over the years, but just how much of a beast was he in this series? I'm sure he's holding the MVP trophy of the of the CS. Uh, we just couldn't figure him out. Uh, he beat us the other way. He beat us to the pool side. Uh, he got hits off lefties, off righties. Uh, we tried to spin them. We got, went hard. We just didn't have an answer for him. And when you've got that big guy looming behind him, it, it's just kind of tough to, to pitch around him, who's clearly hot. But, yeah, we just didn't have an answer for him. If you're interested, Eddie Rosario, Kevin Barker, his hits came off four curves, three fastballs, three change-ups, two cutters, a sinker, and a slider. Either, other than the knuckleball, yeah, that, that's pretty much your full menu there. Yeah, if you're Dusty Baker, what do you do about that? You know, you, you're not pitching around him. You, you, that, that's why the first game for me is very very important to see the, the couple of days off, what what that would do to Zario's uh, timing, his his eye at the plate. Now, a lot of the pitches that he hit from the Dodge weren't good pitches. Like, even two strike pitches that he got were elevated out over the plate. Now, Again, you tip your hat to the hitter for actually bearing, barreling up those baseballs, not trying to do too much. You could tell he had the approach of middle the other way. That'll let the ball travel, allow you to see the ball a little bit better. That'll tell you how he's feeling with his lower half when he gets in an athletic position. I talk about this all the time. The weight outside the back knee is a huge deal. And if you're a hitter and you can consistently not do that and keep the weight on the inside of your back knee, that just allows everything to be compact and allows you to have a shorter, quicker swing, which in turn allows you to swing at the pitch that you want to swing at because you're seeing the pitch uh, quicker out of the pitcher's hand because of the lower half the way it is. For me, I I, got to tell you this. I would still attack him down. I know he's a left-handed hitter. I know he is 
you know, has a little natural uppercut to his swing, which we did see him adjust with two strikes, level out his swing, and hit fastballs the other way. Now, when you got a hot hitter like that, who thinks he's living in that tree, Jeff? You know, I talk about that mm-hmm. tree. Well, he was the guy that I was talking about living in that tree. You got to figure out how to get him out. Now, Freddie Freeman, do you, do you pitch around a Rosario to get to Freddie Freeman? Absolutely not, especially early in a. World Series series, you you definitely don't want to get a guy like Freddie Freeman hot. But how do you get him out? How do you pitch to him? Do you throw him strike one? Do you elevate? That's the, what's the game plan going into this thing? Well, it, for, for the Atlanta Braves, the fact that the series starts in Houston presents a unique opportunity for them in terms of their lineup because the DH will be in effect. We'll talk about that uh, after ten thirty because there's a couple of lineup decisions that are going to have to be made here by both Dusty Baker and Brian Snicker because. It was the World Series, so in the National League parks, the pitcher's going to hit. In the American League parks, you're going to have the DH. We'll talk about that later on. Uh, we've got a fun show coming up, by the way. Cito Gaston is going to join us at 11 o'clock. He, of course, uh, managed the Toronto Blue Jays to back-to-back World Series 92-93. You probably know by now that Dusty Baker lists Cito Gaston and Hank Aaron as two of his mentors. Dusty Baker, the manager of the Houston Astros. Cito's also got a tie with Brian Snitker, though. We're not, we're not going to reveal it. You're going to have to listen to the interview, but kind of surprised us. This is, I mean, this World Series, hell, it might as well be six degrees of Cito Gaston because <laughs> it seems as if Cito Gaston has played with, managed, lived with, roomed with, knows everybody in this series. So it's a fun interview. He'll join us at 11 o'clock, 11.30. Chris Rose, host of the Chris Rose Rotation on John Boy Media, will join us. And we'll talk a bit about, yeah, about... about about the Dodgers, about Dave Roberts, about about Dusty Baker. We have to ask. We have to ask, well, I have to ask Chris about Eddie Rosario because he's a Cleveland fan and he came from Cleveland, and you know how much he paid attention to his at bats. And you know Rosario is a very streaky hitter. How how would the how would the two days off? I was thinking about this when I was home yesterday. How would the two two days off between games affect a really hot hitter? Like, like, are you, you know, me, I was, I was not always superstitious, but I was when I was hot. Now, mm-hmm. most of my hot times were at the minor league level. It's a little easier to get hot there and stay hot because of the quality of pitching. It's a lot harder to do it when all eyes are on you and you're trying to stay hot that way. But, but what would just walking away from it a couple of days do to everything that you've been doing at that high of a level? Can you maintain it? Do you, do you, is it a mindset thing? Is it a mechanical thing? Can you do something in a cage to k- keep you locked in that way? Is it because of who's hitting behind you? Well, you'd say no to that because Brian Snickers mixed up who's hit second in that, in that last series. So does it really, that's an interesting thing to find out or look at how he's going to look pitch one, like, like how's, uh, you know, Valdez going to. What's he going to throw in? Probably be, a sinker would be my guess. Yeah, has, you know, even if he's leading off, they may, may they may change up the lineup that way. Of could he be hitting down in the order? How will it look that way? Yeah. There's be that'll be an interesting thing just to see how he, how his front foot looks, how he looks when he takes a pitch because of the du- couple of days off. Because I'm assuming he's the only guy on planet Earth this time of the year who don't want days off. <laughs> like you can't. <laughs> well, wait I don't to know. Jordan Alvarez day. probably wouldn't mind. Yeah. wouldn't mind keeping it in a row. Well, there's a hand, only a handful of them this time of the year who doesn't want a day off between games to rest up and those kind of things. But it's just it's an intriguing thing. You see, you got a, two veteran managers facing two of the hottest hitters on planet Earth. How are they going to attack them? Can't wait to see how they do it. All right, let's talk about those two hitters. Jordan Alvarez, 
no surprise. He's one of the really good young left-handed hitters, one of the really good young hitters in the game. That I don't think it's any surprise to see him having this postseason. Eddie Rosario, you know, it's funny. If you go back and look over the years, it's remarkable how many LCS MVPs are guys that you don't you don't consider to necessarily be stars. There are a lot of stars in this sure. series. But Marco Scudero, anybody remember the Marco Scudero had an unconscious postseason for the San Francisco Giants. Daniel Murphy mm-hmm. had an unconscious postseason. So there is a history of guys maybe not coming out of nowhere, but guys who we don't necessarily consider stars emerging. But Jordan Alvarez, we all agree, is Jordan Alvarez is a star or about to become a star. Sure. Eddie Rosario, we talked about it, a streak hitter. Who do you think, and I know this is an impossible question, but who do you think is more likely to keep that role going when the World Series starts? Because you know Alvarez is going to see some left-handed, he's going to see some good left-handed relief. Smith, uh, Matzik. Mentor, those three guys. How's Brian Snicker going to use those three guys? How's against, he going to use Max Fried? And again, you got to remember the, the right. The we talk about the balance lineup all the time. What the Jays are trying to do, they're trying to basically be the Astros with the balance lineup, with the righty, lefty, righty, lefty, righty, lefty. Because of this exact reason, you want to go deep in the playoffs, you make it harder for the opposing manager to figure out how to game plan against each guy. And most managers are just not capable of doing that all the time. you got so many arms to choose from. Sooner or later, one of those arms is not going to be any good. You're going to go to him. He's going to hang a slider, and then that's going to change the outcome of a series. So I, that that's an interesting thing. If you're asking me today, I I would have to say – I mean that that is that is a that is a tremendous. I would have to say uh, Jordan Alvarez just because I think he's a better hitter. Right. I, I think he he has better plate coverage. It's less surprising that he would put it this way. If I said to you at the start of the LCS or at the start of the postseason, hey, Jordan Alvarez is going to be LCS MVP, you'd yeah. probably go, okay, sure. If I said Eddie Rosario, you'd go, well, I mean, stuff has to happen for that to happen. Yeah, I just I, I think it's again I. But on the flip side of that, you would think that the Braves have more lefties to match up against Alvarez mm-hmm. than the Astros have to match up against Rosario. That, that's another thing you have to ask yourself is, is does, the, does the Astros lefties match up good enough against Rosario? And is Dusty Baker good enough as a manager to be able to match up against the lefties that the Braves have to sort of quieten down their bats? So that, that'll be the interesting thing. It, how they go about and when they go to that guy, like because again, it's every guy in the Astros magnificent seven, which is sort of what they're trying to, they're being called now one through seven. They're magnificent. You know, it's like that Western. You ever watch that Western's mm-hmm. magnificent seven. That's sort of what the, the Astros are. You know, how does Brian Snicker match up against that? Can he, or is it just, here's my best arms. I'm not overthinking this thing. Luke Jackson ain't pitching when it matters. Now I know, just right now, the stuff's not playing. I got other three three lefties down there. I, now, all of a sudden, Will Smith got a little late giddy up to the heater. You know, he's not overusing his slider as much now. Maybe I go to him a little bit more. So, it's just, I, I just can't wait to see how two managers sort of maneuver around. One, you got the Magnificent Seven, and then you got some hot guys that if you're dusty, you could maneuver around mm-hmm. to figure out how to pitch the guys that aren't as hot in the Braves lineup. It, it'll be... That's for me is the intriguing part of all this. Will Smith might be one of those guys 
beware what happens when you get a little success because he certainly does seem to be, he seems to be, he is thought of differently now than he was going into the postseason. And your point is well made. He's starting to, starting, and I think it was Chipper Jones, Jones that mentioned that, starting to throw more fastballs, throwing fewer. The slider's a great pitch. Don't Tom, get me wrong. The Tom, sli- Tom Glavin, Glavin when he was did, on, sorry. said something about if he doesn't overuse the slider, he can be really good because he has deception, and he has late giddy up to the heater. Yeah. Why, why not use it, elevate it more, pitch in a little bit more, and then expand with the slider? I, I, I've just... Is Dusty Baker good enough to do that? Is he good enough to maneuver? You know, if he gets some decent starting, he doesn't need great pitching because of that order one through seven. Doesn't need great starting pitching. Needs decent starting pitching. But there'll be a time where Dusty has to maneuver around somebody that's hot with the Braves to get to somebody else. Is he good enough to do that? That's the question you got to ask yourself if if you're an Astros fan. From what you've seen in the past, is Dusty good enough to to figure out ways to to get to his better arms out of the bullpen, to pitch around, to get to a guy that's struggling for the Braves order? Because there's some guys in there that punch out a lot. Jeff, you know that. Yeah. They they've led this playoffs in punch outs. That's the one little Achilles heel that they have. You can strike them out. They do have non-competitive bats, but it's up to Dusty to put that pitcher in the right position to, to get some strikeouts. Freddie Freeman talked about that after the after, after game six, just about how aggressive they are. And one of the keys with Eddie Rosario, he said, was that he he fit well when he came here because he also has that aggressive mindset. They They do go up. That they are not afraid to swing. They're not afraid to swing at your fastball. Mm-hmm. But you are right. If you go back and look at the the two series we've seen so far, it is remarkable how how many non-competitive at-bats they have in and among all sorts of good at-bats. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, on, on the flip side of that, too, you could look at the Astros who faced the Red Sox. Red Sox rotation wasn't as good mm-hmm. as... as the the rotation that the Braves were facing. So so that the, those numbers you got to be real careful about how you look at those. Do you think this series is going to be managed more like I don't want to use the word the phrase old school aggressive? No, no, the exact opposite. Do you think this series will be managed more like series used to be managed? In other words, if a starter's going well, he'll get that third time through the order. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Instead of instead of well, that's it. Uh, three hits over five innings, third or three hits over six innings. Third time through the orders coming up, we're going to the bullpen. Do you think we may see we may see both managers here give their starters, especially their good starters, yeah, more okay. length? I think the Braves have to with two guys. That that's Charlie Morton and Max Fried. They have to have a little longer leash. Mm-hmm. They they just have to. Now on the flip side of that, with Dusty Framber Valdez, looks like he's got a little bit more confidence. Got some, uh, you know, uh, ability to attack the zone up with the sinker. You could see that in his last start. For whatever reason, the, the, the light switch went on. You know, he had a couple of stinkers in a row, and then he had the one where the sinker's working, the slider's working off that, the big curveball's working. He has confidence in throwing at it, gets a bunch of ground balls. And then the, the Luis Garcia looked healthy. It, that, that, for me, is if Dusty can get those two guys, Valdez and Garcia, Maybe a little longer leash into the third time through. Mm-hmm. Not saying the whole time through, exactly. but into right. it. So maybe you get, maybe if you're the third time through, you're facing a righty, you go with the righty-righty matchup, then the lefty's coming up, then you go to your bullpen. It, allow, it allows right. Dusty to, to you know, 
maximize Graveman, Mm -hmm. maximize Presley, maximize Stanek, who's a hard thrower who can get lefties out, who maximize Phil Maton, who can get both out, who's more of a pitcher than a thrower. So those two guys for Dusty allow him to use his bullpen the way he wants to. That, for me, is the key in this. And with with the Braves, if the Braves can get those two guys, Morgan Mm -hmm. Free, going later in games, and then you add the National League rules to the mix in those three games, I don't want to say the Braves would have the advantage, but you could argue that they got at least a better chance of this not going seven games because I I, I just think if it goes seven games, the Magnificent Seven is just going to be way too hard on Brian Snicker. You're going to see him pulling out hair that he doesn't have, trying to figure out how to get it done. So for me, it's got to be a short series if the Braves are going to win this thing. So the only way they do that is they get two good starts from those two big guys so Brian Snicker can use the big three lefties at the end of the bullpen and don't have to use Luke Jackson as much and can not have to go six or seven games. Can they do it? Is it good enough? And that's – so you got to – you know, if you're the Braves, you got to take one of the two out in, in Houston so you can go home and maybe take those three games. But it's just it's just intriguing to see, to your point, how Dusty would do that and – on the flip side of your point, actually the Braves don't have to do that, I don't think, mm-hmm. because of the three lefties that they got in the bullpen who can get both sides of the, of the plate out. And it's for me, and I hate to keep saying this, it will come down to how, how the bandages are good enough to, when do you use them? When do you not use them? Do you use them too soon? Or is it just, here's my best guys, I'm going to use them when the situation arises? Yeah, and the other thing, the Astros factoring into that, something that I think people need to really focus in on the Astros, Kevin, is they're so good with two strikes. They are. Two outs. Two outs, two outs pardon me, with two outs. That, and, that, and that would make me th- – I don't know if you're an opposing manager and you're playing a team that's good with two outs. Does that, does that factor into your, your, your decision as to when you go to the bullpen or who you go with? I, I don't know. But yeah. it, would, it would have to be in the back of your head, wouldn't it? Because it's a lineup. It's not like it's not like one or two guys are good with two outs. It it is a lineup long habit the Astros have developed. Yeah, I think so. But the one little weakness that that they've had is getting Jose Altuve on base in the ALCS. He had an, a two fourteen on base percentage. Mm-hmm. If that continues, where he's a little all or nothing, right? He, mm-hmm. he he's getting big hits. He'll hit homers, but he's not getting on base a ton. Alex Bregman needs more chances with runners in scoring position. If they're going to go where they want to go and they're going to get Jordan Alvarez in the series, because if you think about this, if Altuve's not on base and say Brantley's getting on base a little bit, then all of a sudden Bregman comes up with a runner on first base or nobody on, and now I can pitch around Alvarez. So a lot of this whole thing comes in is if Jose Altuve can up the 214 average with his on-base percentage. Because if he's getting on base at that, I think during the season it was somewhere around the 327 mark, give or take a, a number or two. If he can somewhere be around that, well, that gives Bregman more chances. That puts more pressure on Brian Snicker. And that keeps Jordan Alvarez in the series, the entire series, because now you can't pitch around him. We've got a lot to talk about uh, in the next half hour want to talk about the whether or not this series loss changes how we feel about the Dodgers World Series win last year and talk a little bit as well about some of the lineup decisions that these two managers have to make with the designated hitter slash pitcher hitting now coming into effect 
There was also some news made around Major League Baseball this weekend. The St. Louis Cardinals have a new manager. And something I saw on MLB.com got me thinking. Because we've talked about free agent pitchers. And a couple of writers have wondered whether or not Justin Verlander might end up being this year's Corey Kluber for some team. Could he be, would he be a candidate in your mind for the Blue Jays? Do you make a call if you're the Blue Jays? We'll talk about it when we come back. You're listening to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Tito Gaston and Chris Rose will join us in the next hour. And again, if you want to follow the show on social media or uh, subscribe via pod, whatever your favorite podcatcher is, feel free. Give us a nice review. Give Barker a nice review. I don't care about me. Give Barker a nice review. Since when do you not care about you? I just don't anymore. When did that happen? Friday. I had an epiphany. Two two days? Took you two days to get that? More or less. Hmm. Or the drive-in from Hamilton. No, I had a rough rough Friday night. Hey, you did? Yeah. You saw the light? No, it's like the, probably the (laughs) fifth time I've been out in a restaurant. Maybe a little more than that. You know, since this thing started. And I'm sitting there. I got a nice glass of Guinness. Nice local bar. Lovely Mrs. Blair sitting across sure. from me. I lift up the Guinness, falls out of my hands. Boom, a full Guinness all over. Table the whole thing. Huh. And, and you know, of course, people, it's, it's my neighborhood. So oh, all yeah, over yeah. the place. You're, you're like, I, I, like I, Norm I, and Cheers. Everybody knows no. Papa Blair Mm-mm. in that place. No. <laughs> it is embarrassing. Don't <laughs> we'll be afraid to do some grip exercise. It's not that. It was... <laughs> Yeah, I'm just saying, you can, you can do, yeah, you, when you drive in your car, which, which hand are you driving the car with, left or right? I don't use hands in the car. You use your knees? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Well, it is a clown car, so. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, you people, can, you, you can people don't a... care about that. It was an, it was an, yeah, it was a, it was a, uh, it was a, it was a, it was a great, a great evening spoiled by a, a, wait, a spilled, a spilled pint of Guinness. So you couldn't get another? Oh, hell yeah. I got another. Damn oh, yeah. right. I finished so off the problem? there. Well, I mean, you would have been proud of me because there was a little bit left in the glass because I immediately pulled the glass up and I, I drank what was left in yeah, the glass. Hold on. Here, there. Then you can have it. Did you <laughs> help clean you... it up? Yeah, of course I did. Of course I did. Raise your right hand and say, I, I got a a napkin. Well, I did. No. Well, okay. Hang on. I I had a, I didn't have to. Get, I had a napkin in my lap. I didn't. It's not like I got out of my chair to go and get anything. Right. I, I put the napkin, which didn't do any good, frankly, because it was a whole table full of Guinness. Did, you, like, did your wife turn away, away when you did that? Because that's what my wife would do. She'd be like, she doesn't know who I am. I have no idea who that no, is. No, she, she stood up. She, she was trying to figure out how the hell we were going to walk home with a, with a white shirt that was drenched with, uh, with, with Guinness on it. Well, you have so. been walking a lot, so take it off. Anyhow. Show off what you've been. What you no, her. Oh, her. Sorry. Dumbass. I thought you. 
Well, you Jesus. Spit, wait, you spilled it on her? On her. That's the whole story. I didn't spill it on me. I, I did uh, this. You did that on purpose. Oh, no, I, I did not. No, no. It was like, <laughs> here, I did this. I thought I, you spilled it on yourself and then no, it went all over the bar. No, I wouldn't care if I, I wouldn't tell that. No, I, I lifted it and it slipped like that and went like that. Oh, that's awful. And all over the place. That's terrible. Yeah. Anyhow. So you ruined her night. First pretty, night she'd been out in two years. No, not two years, but pretty much. It was just, uh, anyhow, so uh, that, that was just kind of the the epiphany. I had no idea why I started there. I, there was some news made this weekend in baseball. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, I don't know if they've done it yet. I think they're about to announce it, uh, have announced their new manager. You know, of course, they fired Mike Schilt, who apparently interviewed for the San Diego Padres job and is one of the front runners for that job. Hmm. The Cardinals named Oliver Marmol uh, their new manager. A uh, very young dude. Dude is 35 years old. He's hmm. going to become the youngest manager in baseball. Huh. And... Um, Cool. He's uh, he's a Dominican American, so uh, Dominican Republic background, American, and uh, he will be managing the St. Louis Cardinals. So yeah. The Cardinals stay within the organization. Did you, did, what was the first thing you thought of when you read that? When, when Schilt got fired, right? You're thinking, come in a room. Should have done this. Why didn't you do that? Yeah. Numbers say this. And then you're going to go out and get a 35-year-old who will do what you tell him to do. That, that, yeah. And that's not fair for me to say that. Yeah. But in 2021, that's exactly what I thought. I mean, I don't you – would, you would have to think so. Uh, you know, the other candidates were led to believe were Skip Shoemaker, uh, Matt Holliday, and uh, Stubby Clapp, who is their first base coach. Yeah. Um, now, I don't know – how seriously he was Stubby. he was a candidate yeah I, I i don't know that but he was he was named as um he was named in various reports as a candidate he did win championships with the cardinals triple a manager and he has been approached with a new contract so he's been invited yep. back but anyhow uh and and the reason that's odd and we talked to Cito Gaston about this later on in the show is i, I kind of wondered whether or not the success we've seen 72-year-old uh, Dusty Baker have, the success we've seen with Brian Snitker, you know, the fact that 128-year-old Tony La Russa made it as far as he did. It does seem as if a lot of teams that went with young managers kind of spit out the bit this year. San Diego. And and it, I wondered whether or not the success that Dusty yeah. and, and – uh, and Brian Snicker and others have and others have had I really, whether or not that meant that that teams might focus in on on older managers. Me, me being me being in that room, the people put a lot of lot of emphasis on that manager, and it's his fault that the team doesn't go where the where the team's supposed to go. The Padres got more talent than anybody in baseball. Well, you, sometimes you got to blame the players. No, you got to say the front office and the manager had a little hand in it, but it's their fault. I. I guess. I mean, it's they're they're the easiest one to to yell and scream at and say we got to fire this person, like Aaron Boone in New York. They're, it's Aaron Boone's fault that they they're not balanced. They don't have a balanced lineup, and they're not very athletic, and they can't play defense. That's Aaron Boone's fault. Let me ask you about something else. If you were the Blue Jays, would you take a shot at Justin Verlander, free agent? Joel Sherman uh, reported this weekend. He's 
did an article on what the Yankees may be looking for in starting pitching. He yeah. thinks they're going to avoid the top end of the market. But he thinks that they could zero in on Justin Verlander, Verlander Noah Syndergaard, Rachel Iglesias, who I think the Jays should be all over, Absolutely. frankly. And, of course, he mentioned Sean Manaya and Pablo Lopez as potential trade targets for the Yankees as well. But, look, the Jays have taken a shot at value value buys, if you want to call it that, in the past. They've had success with guys like Robbie Ray, Stephen Matz. I was just wondering if you think they should at least entertain the possibility of Justin Verlander or at least have a discussion with Justin Verlander. See, my initial reaction was, I'm okay. What, what was Pete Walker's line to us one of the things this organization likes to do is create a pitcher, you know, get guys who have, have had issues and, and create a pitcher. I'm, I'm okay if you do that. I don't know if I really want a total rehab project like Justin Verlander around. That seems to me that would take up an awful lot of your time. Yeah, he made, he made one start in 2020, so he's had a lot of time off. What, what would you get – uh, what would you get from him, and why would you bring him here? Uh, when you say Justin Verlander, the first thing I think of, you're bringing him here for September and October and, and a couple of days into November. That, that, that for me, is why you'd bring him here. You, 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 the, what you, he would do during the regular season, because you would have other pieces on your team that you could count on more than Justin Verlander. For to your point is, you know, him coming back, hasn't pitched in forever. What's he going to give you? What's it? What would it look like in spring training? What would it look like for beginning of the season? When would he come back and start? All of these things. Yeah, I'm not saying the Jays would make it a priority, but I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm asking, would you make the call if you're the Jays? I wouldn't. I, I, I'm, I, with, I, 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 I think, I'm with you. I think a lot of that clubhouse thing, too, is a big deal to the Blue Jays and their front office. I, I say that with their players. And their front office. Justin Verlander is an older player. He's on the back nine. Okay? Like, back nine players don't always buy into what young teams are trying to do. The rah-rah stuff. I'm just not sure that would be a fit here. Now, obviously, I've never met him. I've never walked up and shook his hand. But I've seen. I've I've listened to him talk. I've listened to other people talk about Justin. I just don't know if, if that's a great fit for the Blue Jays at this time where they're trying to start where they want to end up what you would think you would get from him what he would cost all those things would come into play now i would say this if no if nobody takes a run at him and he's still available there somewhere you know around the middle of the season yeah do you think that max scherzer's uh arm issue in the postseason that's not going to have any impact in his i would think his so. market. oh I, you would, think it would me would me 37 years old come he come right out and said i have dead arm dead arm's a big deal isn't it you know why dead arms is a big deal? Because not, not a ton of people say anything about dead arm. He actually used the phrase overcooked as well, which I kind of. That, that would mean, you know, <laughs> that gets back to our point about you overthink things. You think long, think wrong. That's sort of what they did. And you're using a 37-year-old. You know, I, I would assume he'll, he might go to a place like San Diego. He might go back to the Dodgers because the Dodgers basically did the dead arm to him. They might owe him a little bit. <laughs> So I would, yeah. I would, I would think that that probably take care of itself. But yeah, he'd be thirty-eight. Before we close the book on the Dodgers for the year, does the fact that this Dodgers team has not gone back to the World Series 
to your way of thinking, does that take any of the shine off of last year's world title? It was a 60-game season. It was a COVID season. Mm-hmm. All, all of that Home field advantage was non-existent. Does it, does it lessen? People are going to ask this question. People yeah. have asked this question. Does it lessen the importance or significance of that World Series win? Because, see, I looked at it this way. True, it was only a 60-game regular season. Mm-hmm. It's less than half of what we normally play in, in, in baseball. But the playoffs are the playoffs. It doesn't matter whether you've played 162, 82, 150. This is a team that had to win a best-of-three wild-card series, which they did. It wasn't a one-game wild-card. Best-of-three wild-card series over Milwaukee. Swept Milwaukee. Swept San Diego in the division series. Beat the Braves 4-3 to in the championship series. Then beat the Rays 4-2 in the World Series. So I would not be that quick to dismiss last year's World Series title. Not me. I, I was fortunate enough to have an opportunity with, with actually not being in the clubhouse with the Blue Jays to actually as being as close as possible as you could possibly be without actually being in there because I have conversation with coaches and players mm-hmm. and I know what they had to go through just to keep themselves on the field with all the testing and yep. things that you couldn't do off the field and, and staying in your hotel and just it's a nightmare for all these players to stay away from their families and all those things. I can't imagine how hard that was to do what the Dodgers did last year and go that far. So absolutely not for I'm me. But this year, you have a, a giant payroll the way that they've had, as many wins that they've had, uh, yet you're expected to go all the way and you know, it takes away nothing that they did last year, at least for me. Everybody's going to have their own opinion. But this year, yeah, you were expected to go all the way and make it look easy because of the payroll, because of the people you signed, because of who you went and got midseason. A, you know, a a leader in the National League in hitting who plays second base because your shortstop's so good. And then one of the best right-handed pitchers in all of baseball, at least in my in my generation. And you didn't go as as ultimately as far as you're supposed to go. Yeah, that's a yeah. that's a big letdown. Bottom line, and I think Kevin and I are both the same page here. This year was hugely disappointing for the Los Angeles Dodgers, but it takes nothing away. It takes nothing Absolutely. away from what they accomplished last year. World Series will start tomorrow in Houston. It'll be the Astros and the Braves. A couple of interesting roster decisions, or actually less roster decisions than lineup decisions, Kevin, because the games in the American League Park in Houston, of course, will have the DH. The games in the National League Park won't have the DH. So that presents for both managers. Well, it, it throws a little wrinkle into, mm. into some of their thought process. Now, the Astros played two, three. The Astros, during their interleague games this year, so games, their interleague games in the National League Park, where the DH wasn't in effect, most of the time they went with Kyle Tucker in right field or center, Mickey Brantley, Michael Michael Brantley in right field or left. Alvarez was in left at times. Uh, Other times they had Jake Myers in center, Kyle Tucker in right, Brantley in left. 
Jordan Alvarez sat out a couple of those games. It was used as a pinch hitter, and it didn't and it didn't really matter uh, necessarily whether it was a lefty or righty. Um, he didn't start against the one the one start in a National League park with a lefty was against Alex Wood of the Giants, and the Astros went with Brantley, Tucker, and McCormick. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were other starts against right-handed pitchers. Logan Webb he did not make the start on August first uh, against Logan Webb. It was Brantley, Tucker, McCormick. So. It wasn't a matter of Dusty Baker saying, we're not going to use you in the outfield against lefties. We're only going to use you in the outfield against righties. What? You've got to. You have to. Don't you? Don't you have to play Jordan Alvarez in left field? Absolutely. There's no question about that. You put Tucker in center. You put Brantley in right. You put Alvarez in left. The only issue is is defensive purposes. Say you have a one-red lead in the seventh inning. You double switch. You double switch in Siri. So you can put Brantley back in left. You can put Tucker back in right. You can put, say, Siri in center field. You're taking out Alvarez. <sighs> that that's, that's the dusty factor in all of this is because your defense in the outfield is not as good now. Right. And, ke- and keep not. in mind, it, it, as much as he looked really good in the bases, the guy has, does have two surgically repaired knees. Alvarez. Yeah, it's not so much for me running the bases. It is route running in the outfield, and, and he's just not a good defender. He makes your defense worse. Because you'd rather have him DH. Yep. Uh, that's the thing is, I. this is why this. Now, this, it's not an issue in the just, first two games. It's it's when uh, the series obviously shifts to Atlanta for games three, I mean, four, the, and five. The, the Braves have a giant advantage when it comes to this. Because obviously they're they're used to doing this. Now, obviously, Dusty's done this before because he's, in the, he's with the Giants, the Reds, the teams in the National League. He understands how to do it. But Alvarez, your best player, your best hitter right now, today. Right now, he is. How do you use that? When do you take him out? Do you take him out? See, th- and this is what I wonder. Mm. If, if, you are, if you are Brian Snitker, you've got Max Freed. Do you save Max Freed for your first game in Atlanta? Because now you're going lefty against lefty, and you've also got Alvarez. You, you're giving Dusty something else to think about. I'm going with the left-handed bat against a lefty starter, and I've weakened myself this, defensively. This, well, you're not putting Ian Anderson in there. Like Ian Anderson has shown you that he's not great this time of the year right now for whatever reason. Maybe it's stuff, maybe whatever. Your best two guys is Fred right. Morton. I, if I can win the first one, I'm going for the throat in the second one, and I know I got National League rules in the third through the fifth. The other team, the Braves, this absolutely helps the Braves because, because they have Jorge Solar, Solar, I should say, yep. who hasn't played yet. Now, he was really good for them. Mm-hmm. He was he was one of the reasons that they got where they are. If you're Brian Snitker, you're you're sitting here going, "This is great. Absolutely, I can DH him or I can go with Rosario. I mean, I can I can have both of those guys in the lineup. I don't have to take Rosario out of the lineup to get him in. But let me ask you this: Jorge Soler also led off for this team when it was playing really well. How do you manage that if you're Brian Snitker? You don't like you. Uh, I. Again, you lead Rosario in the well, leadoff. It depends on what you think of him against the lefty first game. You're you're getting uh you're getting uh Frambil, uh Valdez. Valdez. Yeah, you're getting him. He's left-handed. So how are you going to handle that? Soler, do you think he's comfortable enough? He he's mechanically sound enough to have that much time off. I know he got a couple at bats, but he didn't look got a pinch great. hit. He didn't re- he didn't look great. Like he he looked out of sort. Do you really want him getting more at bats than somebody else who's been there and done it for a little bit longer? I wouldn't. I'm putting him down in the order, but. Mm-hmm. I'm going again. This is this is we saw the Dodgers overthink it. Yep. 
Why, why are you over? You, you've seen Rosario mash lefties. Why are you overthinking it? Here's my best lineup. Here's my best first five guys. And then I'm going to fill in the blanks with the rest of them. And you can always, I would suggest that if you start Rosario and you just put Soler down in the order. Now you might put Dancy Swanson DH. in the leadoff spot, Fine. put Rosario in the five spot against the lefty in the first game. You might do that. Okay. But, but what I'm saying is, I would rather not, if stuff is working, I would rather stick with it. And then if it doesn't work, I can always make my move and say, hey, it wasn't working. But the, the thing you don't want to do is, is have something that's working, change it, then the thing you replaced it with doesn't work. Now you got to go back to the way it was. Now, I, now remember, we, we've seen Snicker move around uh, the two lefties because mm-hmm. he doesn't want an easy matchup that way. So you're not going to see Rosario and Freeman back-to-back against the lefty the first game. You're not going to see that. So you might see Dansby Swanson in the leadoff spot. So you got righty, lefty, switch, switch hitter, hitter. righty. Go. Uh, then you're going to go the way you want to go. You can mix in Solaire in there because you got a DH. But I just don't think he wants lefties back-to-back because it's too easy to pitch to him and match up against Well, him. and also, and, and that plays into mm-hmm. Dusty's hands coming out of the bullpen as well. Oof. If you got back-to-back lefties. Yeah, I think Dusty's got his guys. I just don't think if you're Dusty, you can go away from this if you lose it and go, did I use my best guys in the biggest situations? Did I overthink it? Don't overthink it. Mm. If you if you take any way from the anything from the Dodgers, don't overthink it. Go into this thing and say, I got four guys out of the pen. I got two starters. I'm going to maximize my two starters. I'm going to use my four bullpen arms whenever. I'm not going to overthink and this. And wild card and all this remains Christian Javier as well. Maybe I think he is he is going to emerge as one of the most important pitchers in this series because somebody at some point is going to have to pick up four four and a third innings someplace, whether it's at the start in in game three or game four or in middle relief. You know as well as I do, somebody's going to have to go three four innings. Yeah, at some and point. I think Kendall Graveman's found his mojo. You got to have mojo this time of the year. You got to think your stuff plays ninety eight with some sank. Got a little lat working. You know, he went the two innings. I think didn't that, give up any runs. That's a huge deal for Dusty and the Astros. And I'll tell you what, I think that that combination, that play with him and Maldonado throwing out the runner, Absolutely. that was huge. Absolutely. That was huge for Kendall Graveman. Absolutely. We talked about this. The bullpen arms aren't good at holding runners on. They're just not. Sorry. So you got to figure out other ways. And you got the machete behind the plate. It's not too bad.